Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 617 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing good. I was worried you were going to call me your other co-host. Right, right. As I was saying, Longbox Heroes, I'm like, oh, I just did Add Odds with Wrestling like twice in two days. I got to like get all that out of my head, you know? That's right. You got to shake the atom off. Yes. Uh, especially, especially this week. He's hypercharged this week. <laughs> oh, yes. But... So, uh, I don't know. Do we have a big show today? Do we not have a big show today? Is it going to be a short show? What do we got, Todd? I genuinely think today is going to be a short show. Well, I hope you're right, Todd, because in the news this week, uh, we have discussions in regards to Substack. We have discussions in regards to uh, the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman. We have discussion in regards to the Batgirl movie. And we have discussion of uh, maybe the earliest uh, issue of me being upset with DC and the way they do their collections. <laughs> My favorite, but go ahead. But almost as importantly as all of these things, Todd, we have the return of the Rob Watch. Ooh. That's right. Uh, we have conventions this weekend. and There's some big heavy hitters this weekend. Uh, we have what we read this past week, which is I Hate This Place number three and Superman Space Age number one. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, the results and the next matchup in the uh, Todd and Joe Have Issues, Silver Standard, Todd and Joe Go Rogue, Spider-Man versus Batman, low-end villains against each other to see what the second best rogues gallery in all of comics is, and so much more, I'm sure. Right. So let's get into it. Again, of course, we had a little bit of fallout from San Diego this past weekend. Um, you know, just some changes in regards to creators on Substack and how they're handling thing. Uh, we're coming up on the, you know, one year of some of those folks on there. Uh, of course, people that got um, advances didn't get advances. But I think the big news coming out of that is uh, Nick Spencer, who was the guy who kind of headhunted a lot of these creators right. to come to Substack, is no longer on whatever their board of directors is. He's just like a contracted talent. Yeah, he has no like say over how things go other than his own Substack, I would guess. Right. Uh, so whether that was like a year deal, it's like, see what you get in and maybe you get a cut of the money. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that sort of shakes out what new creators they bring on in the future with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'd say one of the bigger changes is, uh, Scotty Young. Uh, I'd say one of my favorite artists, definitely one of my favorite cover artists, uh, who is on Substack and does a lot of stuff on there, uh, just recently changed his Substack. Took away, like, all the different levels of things and essentially just has a kind of pay-whatever-you-want sort of thing and has all of his stuff up there for free going forward. Kind of like a Substack hum humble bundle or something like that? Yeah, essentially just said that, like, it's essentially like a tip jar. Pay whatever you want. If you don't want to pay, that's fine. If you want to come and get your stuff, you know, that's fine, too. Um, and essentially he said that his idea was to grow... Uh, subscriptions, and he said that for every new paid subscription that we would get, one or two would drop off. 
And we pretty much stayed at the same number since we started back in September, but we've been adding on free people like through the roof. Okay. Um, so he's like, I only have a few hundred paid folks, but I have thousands of free folks. So everything's free now. If you want to keep paying, keep paying. If you don't want to keep paying, that's fine. I'm I'm interested in how that's going to go for them. Right. Because the people who are free are never going to pay you. Well, right. not all of them. I won't say that. You know, I'm I don't I'm uh, I'm not a Sith. I don't believe in absolutes. But I look at it as like you know a lot of people who go free are they're the people who pirate stuff offline. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, but like now that the people who pay have the option to be like, hey, I you know I'm paying eight dollars a month or whatever it is. You know, why why should I do that if everybody else is you know gets it free i don't know it'd be it'd be interesting to see the numbers in a couple of months right so um my thing with that is and i'm a free subscriber i don't pay for anybody's sub stacks and i get all the updates and the notifications of stuff and a lot of it comes down to is is these folks that do sub stacks a majority of their stuff is going to end up in print eventually mm-hmm and by being a paid person on their Substack, essentially just means I get early access to stuff digitally, and I get early access to buy exclusive covers. Okay. So that's part of the reason why I don't really pay for a lot of these folks' Substacks. I like to see what they're working on. I like to see what they're up to. But there are the far and few between. Like, it's not Substack, whatever the one that Brubaker puts his stuff out through, Panel Syndicate, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever something new goes up there, I pay the buck to get it digitally. Right. And then when it comes out in print, which unfortunately is far and few between, I get it in print as well. Okay. But the Scotty Young stuff, because like I'm a bigger fan of his art than I am of his writing, I always want the physical stuff. I don't want to look at a PDF of his art. I'd like right. to have like the physical comic book of his art. You know, you want some of them Scotty Young NFTs. But no, I get you. Yeah. See, I can't because I'm just like we always say, I'm a smidge older than you, and I dislike most of the digital stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. So like any digital way, and I'm I'm a I'm a print guy. I'll probably be a print guy till I die. Um, But the other thing is, I I don't. Not that I think he's bad. I just let's just put it this way: Scotty Young does not move the needle for me at all on anything. So like when this came up, I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a Joe story. It's cool. I could talk about it, but it's like, like I, there's only one guy who came to Substack that would move the needle for me as an artist. And he's stuck on gum road or whatever it is. <laughs> right. And he's lighting it up over there, you know? <laughs> yep. So, but that's cool. So, uh, one of the other news stories, of course, official announcement as this year is the 30th anniversary of death of Superman. Hmm. And we are getting a glut of stuff, I think. Um, they are actually, I know in my mind, because we do the uh, previewing the past over on Patreon, my mind always gets stuck on like what the cover month is, you know? Right. Not realizing like, oh, September's preview is for two months from then, right? Totally, I get it. Right, so they're doing the preview now to let you know what's going to be in the September 2022 previews to come out in November of 2022, which is going to be the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're doing a reprint of the original issue, um, you know, fancying up the colors, you know, whatever, whatever, right? Right. 
Then they're doing a 30th anniversary special, which is a bunch of new cover, uh, a bunch of new stories. A lot of the old creators that worked on that multiple uh, variant covers and so forth. And that's going to be an $11 book. I'm buying it. Well, Todd, wait a minute. Do you love the death of Superman even more than that? I really love the death of Superman, but go ahead. Okay, so do I. Um, because they're doing a deluxe edition, uh, which is collecting the entire saga, which is all the issues leading up to the issue 75. Um, the first time the Superman Day of Doom miniseries is being collected, that Newstime fake magazine, Life and Death of Superman, is being collected in this. I loved that. And it comes polybagged with the armband. Oh! Yes. Does and it have... And that's I, 40 bucks. Right. I wish it had Day of Doom, but anyway. Well, I did, that's what I, did I say Day of Doom? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of uh, something else. I apologize. No, it's the Day of Doom miniseries. Yes, I yes. Lo- that, that miniseries. Okay. Maybe I would pick that up. Who knows? I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's a little pricey. I have all the... Issues? I have all the single issues, yes. Do you have the armband one? <sighs> yes. I probably still have a copy in the poly bag still. Ooh, cool. I never had the poly. I, I never had the black bag version. Yeah. I went, I bought like a standard, like retail edition. So this, so, okay. So this was the thing I got suckered in because, um, I, you know, they, they, I think DC acted very quickly and had a trade of everything leading up to Superman 75 out of the shelves, like at the same time, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. We're really close because I have the trade of everything that leads up to 75. I have 75 and I I like the regular cover and then I have a poly bag cover. I really at that time, the only thing I had going into 75 which was for its own reasons was I had the Justice League America, not Justice League of America, Justice League America tie-ins because Dan Jurgens was writing that at the time. Right. And, you know, like after Keith and JM left Justice League after breakdowns, it gets a bad, like that book gets a bad rap. But Dan Jurgens' run on Justice League was really good. And that made me, it was like, oh, this thing is rampaging through, you know, whatever booster ends up giving it its name. And I'm like, I want to get the rest of this. But the black bag was beyond my ability, you know, at that time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, we've mentioned it before, but this was the impetus for me to, like, up my collecting game. Oh, yeah. I remember you saying that. Yeah, like, I, I was, you know, leading up to this, I was just, like, a teenager still. I didn't have a real job just yet. I sell like a paper route and washing dishes and stuff. So like I was getting amazing Spider-Man and then I was getting Batman and then like all like, and then the image stuff would start hitting like newsstands and stuff. And like, that was hot, you know, like I recognized that this was new and different stuff. So I was grabbing some of that. And then it was death of Superman. I think they did something like the radio even went to the comics on the green and did like a remote from there. Right. I vaguely remember that because at this I don't know if at this point I was at the comic shop yet, or I was still getting fleeced by the one in Dixon. <laughs> but this, like the hype around death of Superman was my impetus to no longer be like, go to the newsstand and hope for the best, mm-hmm. but find a comic book store and have a pull list. 
Right, right. See, at at 93, I was full on spending way too much money because I was two years out of high school with right. a, with with a real paying job. And I lived at, at, you know, in the house I live now with my mother at the time, um, it was ours. And I was just like, you know, had no mortgage. I was like, comics, 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 statue, toy, comic statue. Yes, please. So, and again, it, you know, as it, as it collects all this stuff, it's an oversized hardcover. It's 40 bucks. Um, I don't know. You know, you might convince me to get this, even though I already have all this stuff. As I mentioned, I really like The Death of Superman. I think it holds up a lot better than most people give it credit for. Or like, remember. granted, yes, it's a stunt, but because of the talent involved, it was like a readable, like well done stunt. And here's the thing, like, and I and I know what you're saying, and I agree with you, but you're using stunt, and it's the best word, but it it wasn't, it wasn't. It was a story that they had told that they knew what they were doing, and the the it the news got it. You know what I mean? Right. And I think it was the first, the best way to put this is it was an unintentional stunt. Okay. Perfect. And then it became the template for everything after, because we've said this a million times on this show, or when we've talked about it, the death and the return of Superman is not as long as people remember. No, if he, so, right, so if this is issue 75 of Superman, and this is like the gauge for it, which comes out in November, he, Superman himself is back in the books in six months? Yep. And he's on the cover of Superman 82. Right. Granted, there was four books running at the time. Right. That's not its fault. I I guarantee you at that time, X-Men was doing much worse. Like tricks, you know what I mean? Well, you know, obviously we have a Patreon show where we're going to be able to track that over the right. next year, you know? Mm-hmm. But Maybe I, they're doing Executioner's Song just before this show. Well, so Executioner's Song was only three months. This was technically six months. Right, but... but six ex- months, whatever, right? Right, but Executioner's Song probably had way more titles. What do you mean? Like, even though it was three months, Executioner's Song, wasn't, like, Executioner's Song through, like, eight books? Nope, it was only through the main four X books. Uh, oh, see, Uncanny, was... regular, X-Factor, and X-Force. That was it. It was just those four books. See, I thought it, like, went through, like, New Mutants. And... Nope. I don't even know. It was no, New, New Mutants wasn't going on at that time. Right? Yeah. Did, did you say X-Force? Yes, you said I, X-Force. Right, X-Force. I was going to say, and it didn't go through, like, any of the solo titles. Okay, that might be where I'm mistaken. I got you. So even further still, because this is like such an integral part of my comic book fandom, you know, so Death of Superman happens in 75, and they spend like the first two months setting up, and there's one more issue, like you get funeral for a friend, right? Mm-hmm. And there's another Justice League issue in that where like kind of the Justice League disbands, whatever. Right. Um, And then you get maybe like, if you include funeral for a friend, you get one more month. Where it's essentially like Man of Steel is going to be John Henry Irons, Adventures of Superman is going to be uh, Superboy, um, Action Comics is going to be uh, the Eradicator, and Cyborg Superman is in Superman main title, right? Right. Okay. Read these for three or four months. Do they have the diamond numbering on them? Yeah, but they don't really start crossing over for like that until that fourth month. Mm-hmm. For, so for like for the three months in between. You don't really need to read all those, but they don't kind of tell you that you don't need to read all of those. It's like, if you like Superboy, you read this. If you like this, you like this. And then once it gets to that fourth month, 
And it start, then they start coming oh. back together. The oh, fifth yeah. month is the tease of Kal-El coming back. The sixth month he's back. The seventh month he's on the cover of Superman, you know? And then they gave you the, the real curveball with the one Green Lantern er, uh, issue. Right, right. That was the one where uh, spoilers maybe for something we're going to talk about later on. Coast, Coast City gets destroyed. Yes, yep. And my take on that was I was buying Green Lantern at the time. Right. So that became a hot, like that became a super hot book. But it was one of those that that was one of the books that I was getting monthly regardless, even though it was hot garbage, yeah. that book. That book, that book is a staple of us talking in the shop about how everybody complained. And I know I'm off on a big tangent. No, here. listen about how Hal got whisked away and Kyle came in and they're all like all the guys remember they wanted to kill people yep. and like and lynch them and I and and we always said everybody at the shop was like if that book was good and you were reading it they would have never done that with with Hal and gone to Kyle and if Kyle wasn't any good it wouldn't have lasted as long as it did so stop your and I'm not going to curse cuz this is a regular show Woo! that stop your complaining because uh, it was all good after that. Like, Death of Superman, and then after that, there's a lot of, like, the glut and the the explosion as we talk about. But there was a lot of good DC stuff, except for some Batman stuff that's coming up next year. Um, <laughs> the, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. would go into, like, Starman and, and, like, Zero Hour and all the stuff that would come out. Kyle Flash was good at the time with Wally. It was like, that was like a second coming of DC in the modern era. Yep. Because I was going to say it was like 94, 95, 94, 95, where they really turned it around quality wise. Mm -hmm. And then even then it was like, oh, but then comes the stunts like you're talking because it became Superman died and came back. But we replaced him with four Superman for, for a short amount of time. Let's do the same with Batman. Let's do the same with Green Arrow. Let's do the same with Wonder Woman. Let's do the same with The Flash because yeah. The Flash had Walter West for a while. That was the only one that kind of worked out of and, all. So and if they didn't replace you, they grim and grittied you like Hook and Aquaman. Yes, even though it was good, right? It, even though it was good, they had to grim and gritty them up to get people to read it. Yep, that was a great. I mean, I'm nostalgic. That was a great time at DC, man. I was reading so much stuff. Yeah, but and like and, you said, not. They're and like I said, you know, this was me finding a comic shop, which is the comic shop that you and I still go to to this day. And at that time, my pull list was Amazing Spider-Man, Batman, and it's I was written on a piece of paper, all Superman crossover stuff. That was it. <laughs> and that's how I ended up getting the Green Lantern thing. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, I, you know, obviously there was no wizard. There was nothing like that. I don't think there was anything in the previews that would have tipped this off. But because I had all Superman crossover stuff and it was on my pull list, I got it in my bag, right? Right, because nobody knew. Like you said, Wizard was around at the time, but they didn't have the information because no, because yeah. they thought this was going to be a story nobody cared about. Not nobody cared about, but it was going to be another story. It would come, it would go. Yeah. It'd be Superman red and blue. It would be all the other imaginary DC stories, but this wasn't imaginary, and we would just move on. But little did we know it would change the landscape of comics. Like, death would be a revolving door after this. Right. But we come down to it. We're talking about the trades, and you want me to convince you to whether to get the trades. But listen, DC has a really good track record when it comes to trading <laughs> books, so I don't see a problem. <laughs> Segway, Joe. <laughs> 
there's a sandwich printed in the middle of my hardcover for some reason. Right. Oh, goodness. All right. Speaking of DC, speaking of their trades and their collections and their everything else, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, DC announced, of course, because September solicitations are starting to trickle out a little bit. Uh, DC are going to attempt to collect Sandman Mystery Theater again. Again. Again, uh, there's supposed to be some sort of big compendium that's solicited that's going to come out uh, second quarter of 2023. Uh, so they attempted to do trades of this um, way, way back in the day. Like the and it's, listen to me, way, way back in the day, the early 2000s. That's almost twi- 20 years ago, Joe. Yep, yep, yep. So they started doing the trade paperbacks and then they got up to whatever would it, it was a 70 issue run. With, like, an annual and a special, right? Right. Uh, In that early 2000s run of the trade paperbacks, they got up to issue 52, and then they just stopped. Mm -hmm. So then they tried it again about six or seven years ago, where they did two trades. They got up to issue 24, included the annual, which had been previously not in the previous set of trades, and stopped again. Right. (laughs) So now they're trying again. Uh, one would hope just because they're hoping to bank on the success of the Sandman Netflix show. Uh, but it was the frustration of this not being fully collected that made me go and hunt out all the single issues on this. And I have a full run of the single issues of Sandman Mystery Theater. Um, now, there is stuff that I've had, like, full runs of the single issues of. And I get the trades, and I'm like, oh, I'll keep the trades, and I'll get rid of the single issues, right? Mm-hmm. I'm never getting rid of the single issues of Sandman Mystery Theater. Because you, you love them that much or you don't think they'll ever go through all the trades? Both. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those ones where I have those first like four or five trades that get you up to issue 52 or had you up to issue 52. And then they stopped collecting them. And I'm like, I need the single issues. So I would just go on eBay or I would go in back issue bins and I would clean out back issue bins of whatever they would have. And I would go on eBay and I would find lots of Sandman Mystery Theater of like 20, 30 issues that had like four that I need. Right. Right. So I almost had two full runs of Sandman Mystery Theater because I was trying to get one full run of it. And this was before the days of digital because Rebels is my DC book that was my gateway to becoming a digital comic person because I was getting that in trade. They solicited the last trade and then just decided at the last minute, they're like, yeah, we're not putting out the last trade. It'll be on digital. And I wanted to finish the story. So I'm like, I need a digital account. And that's what got me into it. And then was it the other one? Wasn't there a Manhunter thing? Um, I'm trying to remember because yes. it was so, okay. Manhunter was pre-digital. But that was another one of those ones where it I wasn't getting it in trade. I was getting the single issues of it. And then the they they canceled the book. And then the f- unfinished issues ended up being the second features in some sort of Batman book. Like Gotham something. Like Gotham Knights or something. Right. So and that was different because I was getting the single issues of it. And I was already on board for the single issues of it. And then they're just like, yeah, we're just not finishing the story. Like, these last four issues are just never coming out. And And then six months later, they came out as the second feature and stuff, you know? And that's when I would go on my quest and get you those Gotham books so I didn't have to hear about me. Like, that took you away. Rebels was another one. 
Uh, I'm trying to think what did it digital, uh, not digitally, but in trade. There was the the Rebels, and then for the longest time they never finished Hitman. I was gonna just say they never finished Hitman, and that one like bothered me the most. Well, hit so okay, so Hitman is one that they actually did end up finishing. Yes, they did. But the first run of it, and like if you had the first run of whatever they put out of the trades, you needed to get the second run of whatever they put out because they put different material in different books. Right. Like, let's say the first trade was six issues originally. Well, now it's eight issues and it doesn't jive up kind of. A, it was all all yeah. crazy. And I'm with you. The only thing that makes me crazier, and we're, like I said, I'm all over the place, is when they were doing and they finished it was they did the Starman trades, but they put all the times past stories in one book. And I think that actually drives me more nuts than not finishing. I'm like, all right, I can kind of go by you didn't you didn't have enough sales to 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 say I'm gonna finish this because it, it didn't if you get five of them and you need the six, though I kind of think you should do it. But it's just like, oh, but it's out of order. And these these stories like Starman are meant to be read in order. And the other one that did it for the longest time was Sandman had them all out of order. That yeah. always that always was like, they were like, oh, here's our, our things. And then there was one point where there's three issues together. Then there was an, uh, a, a regular six issue story and then three more issues. They were like, let's take all those three issues and put them in one, even though it's meant to be told around that. So I was like, oh, DC, you're the worst. You're the worst when it comes to this stuff. But to come back around to the Sandman Mystery Theater, that's a book that I always wanted to read. And I tapped out of it early because I was buying a lot of stuff. And I wanted to get the trades. And I'm like, oh, like when they stop twice, I'm like, I'm never going to read this book. But digitally, I could if I want to. So Yeah, it's but really I'm, good. I, I won't get bit. Like, this makes me think you did it twice. I won't buy this book until it's all done. And then the first one will be super expensive because it's out of print. Right. That's the the name of the game in this. Uh, it's, you know, like there's a little tiny bit of fantasy in there, but it's essentially like a crime mystery book with golden age superheroes in it. Yep. Yep. That's, and then it kind of tied a little bit into Sandman and that was about it. A little, like there was the annual, there was the special where they did, uh, yep. I think it was called like I forget what it was called, but it was like where Morpheus Sandman crosses over Wesley Dodd Sandman. Yep. And they actually go on an adventure together, and you like you're like, oh, that sounds stupid on paper, but they made it work. Right. It was Neil Game, and it worked. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's really good. Hopefully, DC actually, you know, goes through and collects the whole thing again. Um. You know, we got like maybe like three weeks before like somebody just decides anything that has Sandman on the title is worth millions of dollars. Uh, go go clean them out at back issue bins, you know? Yeah, but the way I look at it, Joe, is it's a book. They'll cancel that. It's not like they sunk a ton of money into a movie or something like that and didn't, you know, weren't going to do it. So that's well, a different thing. I'll say they didn't, say, they didn't sink a bunch of money into a movie. They sunk a bunch of money into two movies. <laughs> uh, obviously, the, the headline is the uh, Batgirl movie that they've been working on for quite some time. Uh, there was a lot of debate and discussion whether or not it was going to go uh, to the theaters, if it was going to go to HBO Max, if it was going to go to both, if it was going to go to whatever. Uh, well, they just announced today that it's going nowhere. They're tossing <laughs> it in the garbage. After spending, depending on the stories you read, 70 to $90 million to make this movie, 
they've just decided, nah, we're not going to do it. Um, now, I just also wanted to throw in there um, the sequel to the uh, new CGI Scooby-Doo movie that was supposed to be like a Halloween Christmas crossover also got scrapped as well. Okay, when you were saying, because the article I had, I didn't get the one that you read because they had a bunch of them. You're like, doing the show prep, you're like, this is this. I thought, when you said it was two movies, I thought they had made a decision on the Flash show. No, well, okay, so that's where we're going to get into, right? Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, the Scooby-Doo one uh, was much further along in that it had, like, a December release date. There's a trailer online. And then they just announced today, they're like, yeah, we're just not putting it out. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously for our show, the Batgirl one uh, takes a little bit more precedence because obviously it was supposed to be in whatever the DC cinematic universe is. Right. And allegedly this was going to be like one of the early cameos of Michael Keaton as Batman. Yep. So now this is done what are your thoughts? Cause I have like a couple different ways I could go with this. Um, I'm the only, and, and I know like we had a whole day to come up with this. I don't have a lot. It's just that more of like coming out of San Diego that they have like, you know, Marvel does what it does. Disney does what it does, has this big thing. And, you know, and I always use it like DC has their panel and it's sad trombone. It's just, it's just, here's a little bit of, you know, Shazam 2 and a little bit of Black Adam. And my mind goes to, could you ever see Disney slash Marvel going, yeah, we have this, we have this Eternals movie. Uh, we don't really like it. We're just not going to put it out. Like, we're just going to just just flush all that money down the toilet. And that movie is going to leak out. We're going to see that movie, Joe. Yes. So we're going to know how good or bad it is. And just like, oh, we're done. I, I don't know what it is. If it's with, with Discovery, that merger or selling off or whatever, that they want to turn the ship around and go another way or whatever. But I just, at this point, I don't think they're ever going to make another good DC movie that's not Batman, like Batman proper. That's all I got. Well, you would think that this being bat so Batman adjacent, it's Batgirl, that that would have been enough to get it to come out. Right. But obviously not, which makes me think that there's some big, like obviously outside of the Scooby-Doo thing, okay? Um, That makes me think that there's some big plans are doing some sort of big upheaval in regards to whatever the DC Cinematic Universe stuff is. I know if I look at my chart, my 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 uh, movie release chart, that Flash was initially supposed to come out this November, and it's allegedly supposed to be coming out in June of next year, okay? For my birthday. And I say allegedly, I think that's the next on the chopping block. I think it is, and I think... Um, other than maybe, well, I don't know. They have a success in Momoa and Gal Gadot just starting from scratch again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, but I, I, do. I, I could absolutely see them taking bits and pieces of whatever's salvageable from that Flash movie and trying to cobble something out of it 
but the Flash movie starring Ezra Miller as we know it is not coming out. Which makes me laugh because uh, Mike Sterling tweeted today, can't we just cut all the Ezra Miller stuff out of it and call it Bat Point? Yes. <laughs> At this point, I was like, that's not a bad idea. Shoot new stuff around Michael Keaton, Batman, or whatever. I I don't know, but I'm with you. I, I do think, um, I think one of the tells is going to be too, Joe, is that that Flash miniseries is back in the uh, the DC previews. I believe okay. the, the the one leading to the to the movie. If that gets the axe again, oh boy, you know what yeah. I mean. Um, and so what I think is safe for now is the Shazam stuff. Like I I, I think Black Adam's still going to come out in October. Oh yeah. I think Shazam's going to come out in December. Um, and then I think starting in 2023 with whatever is not already in the hopper, which isn't much right now for DC. The only thing that's a hundred percent sure is the Aquaman movie. Right. And they green lit a second Batman movie. That I don't, don't right right now. That doesn't mean anything green lighting a movie. There's no, there's, you know, there's no script, you know, there's no nothing. It's just an idea. But let me put it this way. I get what you're saying. Yeah. That's their Batman is their, 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 their whole card. That's, yep. That's their thing. So I don't see them. I like when I say obviously uh, greenlit. Given the past, anything can change. But I would bet serious money on the Batman getting a bat, getting a second movie. Oh like, yeah, like I said, that's that's a gimme. But I could certainly see they need to figure out: Are we going to have things crossing over again? Are we going to have things touching this close up to Batman again? Or are we just going to start whole cloth, recast a whole brand new Justice League, and hope for the best? Right. And I could even see, I could honestly see them backing a dump truck load of money up to James Gunn. Good old Jimmy Pistol. Save our, save our, you know, movie studio when it comes to the superhero stuff. Right. People love your Suicide Squad and your Vigilante um, I'm not saying that'll work. Like I, and I don't think, I don't even think Jimmy Pistol would do it. And like, if he got like Superman or whatever, but I could see him being more of being BR Kevin Feige, if you will, or however you say his name. Right. Just give us what you need. And then like, Hey, bring in the talent. Like you're doing a Superman movie. I've always said this and I'll stand by it. Get Robert Zemeckis to direct a Superman get like get like serious talent like not and i know people will be like on me on this like fast and the furious directors whatever get real directors kind of like marvel does get real actors uh named actors even though marvel's soaking them all up like a sponge just it's what you got to do and you got to make good movies man i i don't know so i think what they really need to do is get a plan Obviously, and stick to it. Restore the Snyderverse. Okay, as crazy as that sounds, and is not for me or you as that is. It's a plan. It's a plan. Mm-hmm. And you stick to it. You don't, you know, obviously there were some extraneous circumstances regarding the family tragedy that he had, but he has a fan base. He has a vision. He has, you know, whatever. Let him have that control. Let the let the Shazam stuff exist over here. 
Um, and if, you know, it's set up maybe to tie into the Justice League stuff or whatever it is, but let someone be that guiding force to lead things through because, you know, for the longest time, who who's the guy who co-wrote the script with the, um, uh, and again, I want to say uh, the, the Christian Bale Batman movies. Nolan. Who's the, okay, for the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, who's the guy who did the script for that? Um, I thought it was Nolan who did him and his brother. No, no, no. There was some other like DC guy. Oh, was it the guy who didn't know who, uh, 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 didn't know who Martian Manhunter was? That guy. He was like, he had his fingers in all the DC pies at that time. Right. So obviously like David Goyer. That's it. So it was David Goyer and they would be like, all right, well, David Goyer is going to be like, he's going to be our architect. He's going to be the one that kind of threads all these movies together. And then one, he didn't even know who a lot of the characters were. Two, he did a very poor job of it. And three, Nolan was like, no, these Batman movies don't exist in anything else that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that Batman sells and I get that the Joker sells and I get that Harley Quinn sells. I get it. Let's build around that as opposed to having three different unique Batmans, three different unique Jokers, but one Harley Quinn that crosses over into all of them. Right. You're causing your own confusion in your own marketplace by doing this sort of stuff. I always said that and I, and I don't want to be that guy. I always, I always felt like now that this is the outcome. You were kind of like, ah, whatever, more, you know, more Batman, more Batman, like Ben Affleck, uh, and having this Batman, we can have it all. You know what I mean? It doesn't get confusing. I don't know if it was you, but it was definitely somebody I know, you know what I mean? So, but I was never on board for this kind of confusion. Uh, it was always the problem I had with the Snyderverse, regardless, was they wanted their Avengers out of the gate, and it wasn't earned. Um, just throwing all these characters together and going, here, figure it out. And then from that, it's like, oh, we have this over here, like you said, and that over there. And nothing was anything connected, and I'm with you. It should have been a plan from day one, and now there's almost no going back. And like I said, they want uh, Momoa and they want Gal Gadot. It's like, we don't want to cut ties with them because people like them. So it's like, you really, you're in a no-win situation at DC and Warner Brothers right now. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, is, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but. Is it unsalvageable at this point? Can it, they come back? Is it salvageable? Yes. But I do believe you have to throw everything out. You have to, uh, with rare exception, I do think um, maybe you can keep Gal Gadot and Momoa and uh, keep what's Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn because everybody loves them. But you just have to like literally come out and state, but they never will because they don't want to lose money on back sales of anything. Kind of like comics don't go, oh, like a crisis happened. But Killing Joke's still relevant because it happened before Crisis because they don't want to lose lose sales on it. But you need to get rid of all of it, st- have your Iron Man, and start it over again. And maybe if you want Margot Robbie and them to, to reprise their roles. But go, none of that ever happened. That's the only way you can say it. You can't have the confusion that you have now and turn it around. Keep Keep doing different things that don't connect. Right. 
I don't know. Sorry. I don't make uh, I'm trying to figure it out. It's all so much, Joe. I want the DC cinematic movies to be good. Um, I just think they need to figure out a plan, you know? My advice, start with the Green Lantern movie. Fresh. That's your, your cosmic character. He can go anywhere. He can meet anybody. And he's your Iron Man. Get Ryan Reynolds. Good to go. Uh, well, you had me up until that point. No, I'm joking on that. I you just you have to steer far away from it. But I believe he's your character to kick everything off. Let's, they haven't done anything with him in so long. Let's not a bad idea. Let's put a pin in that and come back. Right. Um, because we have something else to cover here. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now. The Rob Watch. That's right, Todd. It's the triumphant return of the Rob Watch. Is there any other kind of return the Rob could do? Well, embarrassing. Uh, many other returns. But uh, the Rob took to his social media platform of choice, Facebook, uh, over the weekend to say the following, in all caps, <laughs> the next gen. Gotta be honest, had to cut ties with a number of new talent this past spring and summer. Several of these, the work will never see the light of day. I'm having it redone. The connective tissue is the age. These are individuals who are of an age between millennials and Gen Z. The talents I let go are terrible with direction. They love to argue and have zero accountability. (laughs) Editor's note. It sounds like the Rob 30 years ago. What? No matter how polite I share, editor's note. Really? And I write every exchange as it would be shared in public. The reactions are a style and manner that I haven't encountered before. I go out of my way to give the benefit of the doubt, spoon feed the info and directions. I think that might be part of the problem, editor's note. But the snap and deflection is unlike anything I've encountered in 36 years. I've had a great track record of breaking all manner of talents over thirty de- over three decades. But man, there's a whole new era and I'm learning that I don't have the patience for their petulant behavior. That's the fact that I pay top rates. I'm not looking for bargains. Make me, makes me wonder what will become of the industry over the next decade. I've been really fortunate to work with so many great talents over the course of my career, but this is a whole new era and has a different standard of the dread entitlement. Now, again, the Rob puts this up on Facebook, of course, but it's never done there because I don't know if the Rob doesn't know how to edit a post. He adds more comments to it, which don't get covered by the news sites, you know? Right. Um, And he says, I haven't encountered it in the field of comics until these past few months. And wow, I'm floored, says the Rob, Um, replying to Heidi McDonald. um, I've broken 50 to 60 names into the business, three decades of young talent. This is a byproduct of so much of the new tech and social media. Now, Rob does put up another post later on where he lists all the people that he broke into the business. And most of them do, you know, come forward and say, yes, you know, whatever. Uh, So then he adds another comment. I've worked in comics for 36 years. There's absolutely a generational thing, a social media generation. It's different than any age before. And it's several people, not one guy from around the globe. 
complete lack of accountability, willingness to be flexible in terms of suggestions. Their attitude is crazy. The last group of new talent that I worked with, many starting from 2015, were go-getters, diligent workers with respect. The new folks I've started working with since last year are a new breed. Much of it is covered in so many comments in this thread, just a different work ethic and attitude. And then the Rob continues. He had a couple more. Um, the long and the short of it is he commissioned a bunch of people to do some covers. Um, and I guess he didn't like the way that the covers were turning out. And the only thing that the Rob is working on these days, um, that's new material. Keep that in mind. That's new material. A lot of his stuff is being reprinted. Uh, there was a Deadpool graphic novel that was serialized into single issues. Uh, but the only new thing that he's doing is covers for the Brigade 30th anniversary because he doesn't have the rights any longer to Youngblood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've said this before, and obviously the Rob is in a very different place today than he was 20 years ago, than he was 30 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I bet you a lot of the things that the Rob is saying today about this young and upstart, whatever, uh, group of talent are the same thing that probably his editors and coworkers said about him 30 years ago. I would bet the house on it, Joe. And the fact that he can't see that is like pure the Rob. Well, like, and I would be in his corner, Joe. I would be. If it was like, oh, well, this and that, and they don't take direction, and they do, like, yes, even though he might have been that way. But when he hits the work ethic, do you know how late some of his stuff was, Joe? Todd, like, I could pull up, I could pull up, I got that uh, Snake Eyes miniseries that he did a couple years ago, and that was super late. Well, that was because he wanted to work with all those uh, inkers. Great inkers? Yeah, those great inkers. But I'm just like, I'll give you that on issue six. What about issues three, four, and five? No, I'm I'm totally playing devil's advocate. I know. Listen, like I said, I'll I'll accept his excuse for issue six, right? But not Mm -hmm. for the other, you know, the other three issues that were also late. But he's talking about like that. And just on that one alone. You have no, you know, no leg or foot to stand on, Joe. It's, oh, boy. It's just, it's just so ridiculous. And then you go back, and I guarantee you, um, people probably, like you said, told the Rob how to draw back in the day. And he probably told them to go pound sand, you know? So I just, it's, it's all laughable. It's all laughable that he's like that. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, he's, he's oblivious and he seems like putting all those posts out. He was probably very energetic at the time. Hmm. So I I do want to correct myself and say it was a five issue miniseries and not a six issue miniseries. Yeah. So again, this miniseries uh, solicited, uh, you know, it was during the pandemic as well. So I'll give him like a little bit of caveat there. But it was a new book that was solicited like once. Because if you remember when the pandemic started, there was like two months of no books. Right. And then we had like a May, June previews for book. Or we had a, we had a, a April previews for books coming out in July. And, and, and this is the work ethic, you know, guy talking about work ethic and being tough to deal with. 
is the same guy who walked away from the shield for reasons. Yep, because he did not like a variant cover for one specific comic shop. That spoiled something that was the only information they gave to the artist about the book. Yes. So it's just it's just laughable, Joe. Laughable. So I just want to go through this. So again, we're talking July 2020 is when the first issue of Snake Eyes is solicited for. And again, it's a monthly series solicited July, August, September, October, November, right? Issue two solicited for August comes out in October. Issue three solicited for September comes out in November. Issue four solicited for October comes out in February. Issue five solicited for November comes out in July. Ugh. So the final issue ends up being eight months late. But again, it's everybody else that's the problem. Right. And like you said, this is the guy who's like, I know the business. The same guy who, like you said, lost rights to his own characters. And I've dealt with so many people. This is the guy who had, and this is one of our one of our favorites, once again, at the comic shop, too. This is the guy who had Alan Moore trying to give the middle finger to Marvel and DC by working for him. And he wouldn't answer the Alan's calls. And he's talking about the talent. Yeah, I don't know. But. I don't know either, man. It's it's why the Rob is the Rob. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so enough about the Rob. And I'll just throw this out here as well. The Rob proudly states that he's no, not doing any more conventions this year. Not that he was doing any to begin with. And he's strictly doing stuff on his whatnot. What not the home for not grifters and opportunity people. <laughs> that is true. I hope he has a deal on stuff and will be like, Hey, I, it's only going to be here. And then you get a better deal the next day, but with more stuff. Right. But secret stuff that we were going to keep a secret. And now because you called me out for ripping you off. Now we have to ruin the secret for everyone. Oh, you're the villain in this. You're the villain. That's right. Uh, anyway, conventions this weekend. Uh, again, it's a bigger convention weekend than I would have thought. Um, starting small to big, I'd say we have the old time comic show in Punta Gorda, Florida. It's one day or uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor are going to be there. Um, leading the charge to get comic book people doing comic book movies, especially at DC. Mm hmm. Uh, there is the Big Lick Comic Con in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, we have Mark Wade is going to be there, creator of Daredevil. Uh, Ron Mars, I think he's the creator of uh, Kyle Rayner. Yes. Pre and uh, Jim Kyle Shooter, Rayner. he's the uh, creator of Valiant Comics. Yes, he is. And the editor for Marvel during, like, a really good run. Right. Uh, also on the media guest side, Arn Anderson and uh, Brock Anderson, his son, are going to be there. Uh, Arn Anderson, who's looked exactly the same for the last 40 years, and his son Brock, who's 20 years old and looks exactly like his dad. Oh, good for them. Uh, and also uh, young Julia Hart is going to be there, a uh, favorite of uh, my friend Jonas. Okay. Uh, then we have Fanboy Expo in Knoxville, Tennessee. Less a comic book convention, more of a uh, media guest sort of thing. Uh, I know, Todd, you love it. Tons of people from the world of sports and entertainment are going to be there. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Jake the Snake Roberts, Rikishi, uh, Godfather, hopefully doing the Godfather Papa Shango opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but most importantly, Mr. Hitman, Brett Hitman Hart's going to be there. And I love, because I'm reading the, uh, I got the email today, and it's like, oh, well, let me look over the con stuff, because I've started making an effort to look who's at cons, so I have an idea of who's out there. And I'm like, oh, like, he has, like, Steamboat. I'm like, he, I know he's going to mention Jake the Snake, Rikishi, Godfather. He's going to mention the opportunity. And then in the thing, you actually have Mr. Hitman. You put yes. some respect on it, Joe. I did. It's Mr. Hitman. Oh, it's Brett the Hitman Hart. The only thing he's ever done has been on The Simpsons. That's his claim to fame. Well, that's the claim to fame that he has over every other wrestler ever. And he got a figure from his appearance on The Simpsons. You can't say that, Ric Flair. You can't say that, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, also media types are going to be there. Christopher Lloyd is going to be there. Uh, Thomas Jane is going to be there. Morgan Fairchild is going to be there. Lee Majors is going to be there. And I was actually talking uh, on my road trip out to AIW this past weekend to, I would say, at least one of the top two biggest MASH fans that I know in the world. Uh, they're doing a MASH reunion where Loretta Swit, Jeff Maxwell, and Jamie Farr are going to be there. Right. And I've Jeff been noticing Jamie Farr has been popping up more and more on convention circuits lately. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say... Uh, I'm waiting for the day for someone to say, weren't there three remaining MASH cast members the last time we came? And that's when they do this, the MASH uh, theme song. Yes. But uh, do you know who Jeff Maxwell is, right? He's someone from MASH. He was Igor, the guy who ran the MASH tent. Oh, okay. But uh, Jamie Farr, I'm just waiting for Jamie Farr to be Stan Lee too. Where they just prop him up to take pictures and they sign mash stuff in his own blood. That's what I'm Listen, I, I'm sure a diet of three Tony Paco's chili dogs every day for the last 50 years has preserved Jamie Farr fantastically. Right. As long as he's got his Toledo mud hen hat. <laughs> right. Oh, but the biggie this weekend, of course, is C2E2 in Chicago. Uh, thankfully, no wrestling event held around it. Not to say that there's not a ton of sports and entertainers going to be there. Uh, Lita, Trish Stratus, uh, Sasha Banks collecting that sting money. Uh, Naomi, hopefully, also collecting some sting money. Uh, Cactus Jack and uh, my friend Mark. Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, maybe don't follow if he decides to take a walk around the convention floor is all I'm saying. Is he? Is this the callous guy? Yes. Mm. Uh, Rosario Dawson's going to be there on the media side of things. And then Ooh. outside of the wrestling folks. Oh, did I mention uh, Dan Housen is going to be there? And uh, good all-around good guy, Chicago native, everyone's friend, uh, Phil Brooks is going to be there as well. Oh, you mean uh, the Talking Dead host panelist? No, he's done so much more in the last year oh. uh, to really... We're coming up on the... Uh, the year probationary period for uh, <laughs> I, I want to be there at twelve oh one, but uh, uh, this as we as uh, Chicago C two E two, the last dream con that I need to get to, Joe, in America, in America for sure. And then like you know we got a lot of good comic folks here too, Nick Spencer, uh, Art and Franco who do like the Tiny Titan stuff and a lot of other stuff, Chris Claremont, Donnie Cates, friend of the show, Kyle Starks is going to be there. Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, again, this is one of the bucket list cons. I want to go there with you too. 
You know what? Next year, let's go. I'm still leery of indoor things, but let's see how next year looks. Let, this is what I want you to do. Whether or not it happens, mm-hmm. I want you putting for the. I want you putting the time in when they announce next year. So I was just about to say, usually the weekend after the con, uh, especially a big one, they say, "Hey, we're going to come back next year on these dates." When I have those dates, and I'm allowed to ask for 2023 dates off for the super secret science job, priority. Okay, because um, and usually the con they on the last day they announce most on the big ones what next yeah. year. So we'll probably know this weekend. Absolutely. And then you'll know inst- instantly in an email. Uh no. Uh oh, you'll you'll email me the dates. You mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say no. I won't know until November if I have the days off. Actually, but yes. No, I, I understand that. I mean, you'll to what days to put in for. So right. Um, I wonder if they're going to move back to uh, April like it had always been in the past. It could be. I mm, I worry about Chicago in April, though. Right. Because there's that, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, some snow can come off the lake occasionally. I'll say this. Uh, we'd be flying. We wouldn't be driving. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Listen, if I was going to fly to Charlotte or Raleigh to get a sketch. Right. For one day, for, for several hours. I'll fly to Chicago. All right. Well, listen, sure. if you're in the area of any of those conventions, you can find the uh, links to these in the show notes. Uh, just like links to soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, all the shows in the soon to be named network. Um, anytime they go live, of course, you can find them there. This is the short, short version. Uh, or anytime anybody from those shows appear on any other shows and they let me, they go up at soon-to-be-named-network.com as well. Uh, some of the other stuff in the links that you could check out there, uh, aforementioned Mike Sterling, uh, West Coast retailer extraordinaire. You can go check out his blog at Progressive Rune. Uh, you can go check out Chris Schweizer's art book that you could purchase from him. Our friend Kevin Hellions has his blog, Mask Library. He's just put up a bunch of new stuff that he's read over the last seven days. Uh, Rick Williams, The Chop Shop, where he does those cool resin, glow-in-the-dark, sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures. Uh, Friends of the show, listeners of the show have put out self-published comic books. Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Both of those you can check out at the respective links in the show notes. And they got a bunch of love earlier on. Uh, in the show, but of course, our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green. Check them out. His Facebook page is where he does a lot of his wheeling and dealing, new announcements, new releases, everything. You can go sign up for their subscription service if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area. Let them be your comic book shop. Get your stuff sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And if you do, there's a chance that you can get a uh, sketch on your package from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media for all her process, sketches, prints, and everything else that she does. She's a fantastic artist. Yes, she is. Uh, so let's get into what we read from this past week, sir. Um, I'm going to start with the book we were both looking forward to most, which is I Hate This Place, number three, written by the aforementioned Kyle Starks, art by Art Artyom Toplin. Um, at this point, uh, uh, Gabby and Trudy, you know, have the farm and they know something's up with like ghosts or creatures. So they enlist some help and, uh, they call in a Dante, uh, howitzer, who's like a TV ghost hunter that we saw in commercials. 
beforehand or TV shows in the background. And he ends up coming in and stays the night. And we quickly get to the, to, you know, he believes and he sees everything and he starts questioning how things are working. And like, he, he's starting to like the reader starting to question, like, it's like, Oh, they're not acknowledging me in the house. Is it because they don't see me? Is it because the house, even though it's a window, you know, there's, you know, wards or whatever that they can't see. And I kind of like that. And um, he ends up laying the groundwork. He's like, all right, tomorrow in the morning, we'll set up to see about like exercising this place and everything. And I was worried that we were going to go into the trope of the con man or the flim flam man who's the ghost hunter. Yes. But we, we quickly abolish that. Like, I like that it's like, boom, this guy kind of knows what he's doing, at least looks like he knows what he's doing. And he's in his glory seeing these ghosts. And I'm like, okay, good. Because I thought Kyle was going to go for the layup, if you get my meaning. And he didn't. And he, he you know, my expectations were, you know, were different. And then he go, they go out like the next day during the day. And they're like, okay, we have to go to the middle of the land. But they end up telling him like, we got a warning that he shows them the tape that they watched. And you're like, they're saying, stay away. The horned uh, person is in there and don't go into the middle. And he's like, that's where we got to do it. And they go and they end up running into like other creatures and things go horribly wrong. And people may be, bit and maimed in horrible, horrible ways that are going to look really cool when this becomes a TV show or a movie show. Um, but leading to like, oh, we went even deeper into where we weren't supposed to go and bad things may be coming for us. It's This is a, out of the three issues that we read. This is a really quick read, but it lays all the groundwork for this new character and the situation that they're in. Um, and it's really cool. And they really don't even touch too much on the one guy who's trying to find the stolen cash. Um, but right. all around, he's, he's not even in this issue. Right. They don't even touch on him. And I just, I'm like, I really liked all this. I liked the attack by the creatures. And I'm not even a gore guy. And like the bite and the, the, re, the reaper. I'm like, this is all so like really, really cool. Um, this is going to make a really good uh, horror movie or TV show, like I said. Right, so I uh, kind of echoing some of the sentiments that you mentioned in regards to Dante Howitzer, right? Mm -hmm. So they do a really good job. Uh, obviously, anytime, any sort of media, you know, TV, movies, comic, whatever, when the ghost hunter person shows up, right? Mm -hmm. That your immediately thought is, he's a scam artist. He's a flim flam man, right? Mm -hmm. And the the book doesn't give it away immediately that he's not. It strings you along just enough to make you think maybe he might be. And then when he starts, like, having all the equipment, knowing a lot of information, kind of giving some information in, to, in regards to, like, why the ghosts here have so such different clothing and why there's the range of that sort of thing. And then he tells that story uh, in regards to something similar to this with um, the, the ghost portal that was in the house. Yes. Uh, very, and like what it was doing to the family and what he had to do to resolve all of that, where they um, had to burn the house to the ground, you know? 
Right. And to me, it was a little earlier that because that that comes. But when he sees the ghost for the first time and doesn't go ghosts, you know what I mean? Right. Well, like that's, I said, that's your thing. You know, it's a couple pages in after his introduction where he's like, this is my Jurassic Park moment. You know, that is a great thing. And when they when they want to talk to him and I have to give the artist the credit, like because in a panel to show motion is where the girl, the, the one lady's like, are you going to be OK? And he's videotaping in his glory and he's doing the hand wave to make them go away. And like, just the, the shot is perfect in that. I understand what the person is doing um, without seeing the movement. If that makes any sense. It's like, understand how to structure uh, a panel, if you will. Right. And obviously I think a key thing that we find out here is when they are attacked by those creatures or whatever it is, mm -hmm. the fact that all the creatures are saying help. Mm hmm. I think they need to figure that out. I agree. I, like I said, I'm, I, you're a little better at this than me. I don't like to give, you know, I don't know what to give away and what not to give away. It's right on the cover. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, if it's at this point, a weekend, if it's in the solicitation text, I'll tiptoe around it. If it's on the cover of the book, I feel it's fair game. You know what? I really don't pay attention to covers sometimes. <laughs> it's the first thing I see in my comics. Mm, but see, <laughs> did you get uh, both covers? I always get both covers. Okay, that's what I want to make sure. Uh, it's on the it's on the clean cover. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so the other book that we both read uh, was Space uh, Superman Space Age Number One, uh, written by uh, Mark Russell with art by Mike Allred. Right, really quick. Did you see? Um, you know how we always get screwed up by Mike. What's his middle name? Dalton. Dalton Allred in the credits on this. He's Michael Spike Allred. Joe, yes. he's changing again. Well, I think Dalton might be real. I think Spike might be having some fun. I don't know. I think Spike's the real one. But go ahead. Sorry. So, and this is one of those deals where I say to you, uh, Todd, and you, the listener of this program, that I didn't know what this book was about. It's Mark Russell, who is a great writer, and Mike Allred, who's a great artist, doing a Superman book. And I really loved in a lot of the other Mike uh, or the uh, Mark Russell stuff that he's done, specifically Wonder Twins. When Superman pops up, he writes a great Superman, mm -hmm. and he's doing a Superman book, right? Yes. And I remember when Mike Allred got a chance to do Superman stuff when they did a Superman Madman crossover, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I like the way he, I like the way Mike Allred draws. I like the way you draw Superman. Sign me up for this book, okay? I didn't know that this was going to be like a 90-page giant. And I didn't know that this was going to be pre-crisis stuff. Uh, that I could argue with you, but yes. To me, pre-crisis, yes. Self-contained, its own universe story, definitely. It it specifically takes place, like the the... The opening story takes place in 1985 as the world is ending. We go back to the 60s and Superman has a conversation with Pariah. Yes, but see, <laughs> I'm going to get into that, into this where I do the push up the glasses and go, well, actually. That's what this show is for. Go ahead. Right. But it's not because the sh doing that, you kind of go, oh, it's, you know, pre-crisis Superman. Yes, but, but the, the story's taking place, like you said. In 1985, when the world is ending, but 
Uh, it starts in 1963, so like it's a Silver Age comic. Like I don't know how to explain. I just look at kind of like the way Mark Russell was doing the Fantastic Four over at Marvel in that miniseries, where he's doing the decades. Sure, this is going to be the 60s leading up. We're going to see like the late 60s, early 70s. Each maybe this is only three issues, so it's going to be the 60s, the 70s into the 80s, and we get. This Earth, whether it survives crisis or not, do you know what okay. I mean? Like, but I don't feel that this is Superman on Earth One or Earth Two pre-crisis. Does is any of this making any sense? Yes. All right, so that's why I'm arguing with you, even even though I'm not arguing. So my other thing about this, as well, was it's a Superman book, right? Mm-hmm. You got Lois Lane, you got Perry White. You got the Daily Bugle, or the Daily Planet. Planet, Daily Bugle is Spider-Man. You got Jimmy Olsen, but you got Batman. You got Lex Luthor. You got Wonder Woman. You got Green Lantern. It's like, is this a Justice League origin book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love, and and then, okay, you know, we mentioned it starts in 85. Um, you know, it's more or less a retelling of, this era of superheroes origins from the 60s we get the flashback tale with uh jonathan kent of him being in world war ii which if it has been touched on and stuff before i don't recall and you want to add like a harrowing story and you want to see michael alred sneak in a little bit of gore in this book uh boy howdy was that jonathan kent tale something else there kind of was i don't know if he was in world war ii but i actually remember earlier in the show we're talking about death of superman when he was coming back or whatever was going on and superman uh clark met the ghost because remember he had the heart attack around the time yes and he was remembering i remember him wearing a uh an army helmet whether it was korea or world war ii he was remembering his time in the war so it has been touched on in other spots right um and obviously you know we mentioned about like this technically is like an origin of the justice league getting together but we're getting to see all these pieces. And I like as as someone who loves DC history just as much as I love DC comics and wish DC was just as good as Marvel and it was a more neck and neck stuff. I love to see these. I, I'm more so for the modern takes on old DC continuity stuff as I am for modern takes on the Marvel continuity stuff. Right. I, I really love this book. I will say the thing that stuck out at me most was a lot of the Jonathan Kent stuff. I honestly, Mark Russell, I like reading this. There was the bit where like maybe, you know how we always slammed on a certain person we mentioned before for Man of Steel that like uh, Jonathan Kent was always like, maybe you shouldn't be a hero. Maybe you should just let people die kind of a thing. Yep. And we always were like, that's terrible. I don't care what. I never agreed with it. Uh, Mark Russell does that in this book, but makes it work. And not so much. He doesn't do the thing, well, maybe you should just let people die. Is He's like, I don't know. You can't save the world. And if you try, I don't think you can do it. But he's very supportive. Like, he did the thing I think thought they could never do but he did it well and watching that and in the end like he's like maybe you can't and superman's like the only thing difference between a hero you know what i mean is like being where you're needed the most and i'm like let's just put it this way everything that came out of everybody's mouth 
was was absolutely perfect. I even liked. I almost call it the reverse Watchmen plan, Os- mm-hmm. Amandius with Lex Luthor. This is a fun little book. But like you said, um, you know, like it's weird because like Batman's origin is slightly different and all that stuff. I don't know. It's and, so, and I'm okay with that. It kind of like tries to fit it in with, you know, whatever would be going on at the time in the sixties. Right. But like, so that's kind of why uh, I don't like, like you know, kind of subject this to a certain Superman, but I love wonder woman, or wonder woman, Lois in it too. Like her being the crank file. And then she gets the, the thing with Kennedy and goes off to the, you know, the, 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 the race riots in the sixties and everything. And the bit of her in jail, like when the, when the scary cops try to like scare her and they're, and they, and they end up telling the story about going for Chinese food. I'm like, this is amazing, man. So, so when we were talking before about what DC, Warner, whatever needs to do with their movies, mm-hmm. they need to do something like this. Yep. Where they you need- take that familiar story that we all know, whether the linchpin is Batman, the linchpin is Superman, whomever, you tell your story of their origin and you tell a new story of how you weave all of their origins together. Yep. Am I saying that you just do this exactly? A, a DC Comics period piece, prequel to the launch of a Justice League movie, uh, Trojan Horse as a Superman movie? Mm-hmm. Okay. Some characters like Superman work better as a period piece, Joe. Right. Because no, who's, a, who's a reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper anymore? Right. You know, so yeah, I could see. I I really think they should set the DC universe in the whatever like era, like, and then you could set the Golden Age up as World War Two, and that's where it stays. You know what I mean? But Why not? Like, and it's it's crazy to say. Like, Stranger Things is popular. Stranger Things is a period piece of stuff that took place forty years ago, or you know, mm-hmm. whatever. What if the DC movies are just, that's their time frame. They take place in the 80s or the 60s or whatever it is. I agree. I honestly think that's the way it should. And they should start with Green Lantern to bring it all the way back around. Stop it. No, no. Well, you could do Green Lantern. Like, again, do the Superman movie and have the Green Lantern origin worked into there. You know? The test pilot. Test pilots. Nobody cares about test pilots now. Yep. You know? Like, oh, test pilots now are rich guys trying to get into space. Yeah. And if they try to, like, 2022 up some of these DC origins, they lose the specialness of who these characters are. Yep, they do. All right. Get me DC Comics or get me Warner Brothers on the blower. We're going to pitch them this uh, 80s uh, period piece for the DC universe. We were talking about Jimmy Pistol. Why don't we do it? Why don't we put our, our resumes in, Joe? All right. Me and you running the DC Cinematic Universe. Let me just listen. I just want the trades to come out correctly. That's all oh, I want. Uh, if if they come to me and say, Joe, your choice are good movies or the trades come out in an orderly fashion and never messed up, I'm like, sorry, cinematic universe. I got to go with my first love. <laughs> some people just want to watch the world burn. I no. Some people want to watch a bunch of junk trades that they can't sell burn, and that's cur- the current DC product. I want to see a bunch of people reading DC comic books. Yep, I agree. All right. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. 
Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Uh, whether you get your books in trade, whether you get them in print, whether you get them mailed to your home, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is in the lead over me with four correct guesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if I could shave some time or some uh, things here with only uh, four months left in the calendar year. Um, I'm going to guess the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is... And I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'm going to take a shot, and I'm going to say Dark Crisis number three. It is not Dark Crisis number three. Okay. Um, I'm reading Dark Crisis just because I bought the first two. Okay. Um, It wasn't really any good, but the book I'm looking forward to most is Batman 126. Right. My thought process with Dark Crisis number three being on the list was... um, You didn't like number one, number two must have turned it around for number three to still be on your list. You want to know the truth? Oh, well, number two was better. Yeah. But at this point, and I've said this, and this is going to give you layups for the next how many issues. These, these are just going into my crisis box. I have like infinite. I have final. I have crisis on infinite earth all in one box. Um, just because I'm a weird like collectionist that way, I'm getting this. And once they officially change the name, Two Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, because it wasn't selling. Ooh, that's now it's officially part of all that. So, <laughs> but uh, looking at your list, which is super huge this week, and I don't know if you'll if you'll gain any ground reading books this week with that many. Um, is it also Batman one twenty six? It is Batman one twenty six. I was uh, uh nothing nothing against Stillwater, but Stillwater's in the middle of something. Uh, and this is the, uh, you know, the end of Little Monsters, and then they're going on a little bit of a hiatus, which has been really good. Uh, but, you know, we're we're off and running with Batman 126, you know? I had a push, uh, because I brought uh, your other co-host around on Batman from the first issue, and then he was right. like, oh, why didn't you tell me he had an acetate cover? I would have been all over this. And uh, he bought it. He's like, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, well, what did you think about the, the co-feature? And he's like, didn't read it. I'm like, go back and read it. That's important. I believe these stories are going to click up later. He's like, and I'll give him this. He's like, do you remember that like ghost, whatever that was in the Tinian Batman book? Yes. There was that co-feature, the ghost, whatever. And they were terrible after a while. Yes. He's like, that's why I don't read them. I'm like, yeah, no, read, read Catwoman. It's really good. So it is, it is really good. So, but anyway, I'm done now. Uh, hey, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the current placeholder for Todd and Joe Have Issues, which is the Silver Standard, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue. Uh, obviously, The Flash, everyone knows The Flash is the best rogues gallery in all of comics. Todd thinks Batman is the second best. I think Spider-Man has the second best. We picked the bottom of the barrel rogues for both of these characters. Listener to the show, Grinch McScrooge, put together a spreadsheet tournament. And we are currently in the second round. I think the second round is going to be over in about three weeks. Uh, but we just finished up a bat villain versus bat villain uh, wrap up here. And uh, Made of Wood Killer 2 is moving on to the next round, Todd. I think he's a secret dark horse guy, man. Uh, 
Was he created by Mike Mignola or? Oh, no, that's not what you mean. No, he's going. I think he's going to go <laughs> deep in the tourney, Joe. I, you know what? I tell you, I did my, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, uh, lie and say that definitely when you went through his origin and everything last week and I'm like, oh boy, uh, this is going to be a, this is going to be a tough man to beat, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I but I think I got some Spider-Man folks that could do it, you know? Uh, you know what? I'll never say never. Right. I mean, I have faith in my guys, but who knows? You could throw me a curveball and maybe the Maida Wood killer can't hit it with his back. Right. One can only hope, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so this time we have one of my guys that got to buy into the next round. Uh, again, one of your guys that had to fight to get into the second round. Right. So I'm going to leave the floor to you for your first, for your guy. And then I got my whole thing to go through. Right. I'll keep it short. It's Killer Moth. He's basically a bad version of Batman as a villain. He was a jailbird, not a jail moth, who was, you know, in jail. And he, he became obsessed with Batman, got out, was like, hey, I'm going to take all that money that I stole and squirreled away and become the evil version of Batman. And I chose the scary form of a moth and I helped criminals. It really makes no sense, as I always say. You're rich. Why are you trying to make more money if you have enough money to have your own mansion and moth cave? I don't know. He's a really sucky villain. And he has a hot mesh gun, as I'll always say. Sounds a lot like hot mess. So... Vote Killer Moth early and often. Okay. So mine, I had listed in here as the Grim Hunter. Mm -hmm. But it's not the Grim Hunter. It's legitimately Craven the Hunter 2. Alosha. Cravenoff. He's not the Grim Hunter, who's Vladimir Cravenoff. He's not the lady Craven, uh, Craven's daughter, Anna. He's not even the clone of Craven the Hunter made by Mr. Sinister in a random X-Men versus Spider-Man crossover. <laughs> they got it wrong the second time around uh, with Elosha Cravenoff, the second Craven. He was raised in the jungle, separated from his father. He learns of his father's death in the events of Sins of the Past. Uh, what's not Sins of the Past? Um, Craven's Last Hunt. So he decides to not only come to New York, but immediately on arriving in New York, he decides to dress in the full Craven outfit, where he tricks not only Chameleon, but also Calypso, who was the first Craven's lover, into believing that Craven has come back to life. Uh, so with the assistance of Calypso, uh, Craven 2, we'll just call him Craven 2 for right now, uh, gets the drop on Spider-Man. But he only gets the drop on Spider-Man in that he wants to learn more about his dad. That's the reason he's doing everything. So Spider-Man's like, well, help me get out of this mess and take down Calypso and I'll tell you everything that I want that you want. Calypso he overhears this and kills his pet tiger. So Craven uh, 2 gets mad, lets Spider-Man escape, falls down sobbing, asks Calypso to tell him about his dad he does she does and then craven 2 kills calypso is the story over there no so next the character kind of kicks around the marvel universe sometimes he's a good guy where he's hired by the fantastic four to go hunt down lockjaw's grandson do you remember lockjaw's grandson todd 
don't even know who Lockjaw is. Lockjaw's the giant bulldog-looking thing that transports the Inhumans around. Oh, I thought he, like, because some characters have the same name as other. I wasn't thinking the dog one, but I got you. Go ahead. Nope. Lockjaw's grandson, whose name was Puppy. Mm-hmm. That was a Craven 2 story. Uh, Craven 2 then was a bad guy where he was hired to uh, kill the Black Panther. Then he was in a random Sinister Six storyline where he gets into a fight with Venom because Venom is jealous that Craven got picked to be on the Sinister Six instead of him. Uh, so again, just like a typical like redo of a classic Spider-Man villain, the usual that happens. But this is where and why uh, Alosha Craven ends up on my list. So in the early 2000s, they decided to do a storyline called Get Craven. Do you remember the storyline, Todd? Yes, I do. Where Alosha Kravenov decides to go to Hollywood to make it big there. He creates a new persona of a ladies' man and tries to break into Hollywood with some of his dad's old stories. While there, he falls in love with a waitress who's an aspiring actress, I know surprisingly, who works at a villains-only bar in California. Uh, they get involved with a producer who gets them involved with the Rothstein brothers. Definitely not an analog for someone else. Hmm. Uh, then, when their movie gets picked up without the Rothstein's help, the Rothsteins send goons over to Al, now just Al Kravenov's house, to attempt to kill his pet wolf, uh, his pet wolf Tim, a uh, nickel, and do much worse to his girlfriend Nickel. And again, oh no, I'm sorry. The 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 wolf's name is Nickel. The girlfriend's name is Timber. Very confusing. But again, there's a comic book in the early 2000s. Again, they try to kill the wolf and do much worse to the girlfriend. Reading between the lines, right? I gotcha. All right. So Al then goes to the uh, Rothstein brothers' ha uh, studio, intimates that he knows what they did. They kind of say what he did. He cuts out their tongues. The vulture shows up for some reason and decides to murder the Rothsteins. Spider-Man shows up and he's okay with this as long as Vulture and Al Craven decide to be good guys, they do, and then it's never brought up again in any other Spider-Man book ever again. But that's mm -hmm. not the end of Al Craven's storyline. Uh, the last time that we see him in any high-profile role is it a Punisher storyline where he's kidnapping some of the other uh, animal-themed people in the Spider-Man in the Marvel universe? Kangaroo, Tiger Shark, Grizzly, uh, the Black Knight's former horse, and is attempting to open up a superhero zoo. Why does the Punisher come after Al Kravenoff? Because the Punisher was about to kill the Vulture. Remember the last time we saw the Vulture, him and Al Craven were good guys on the West Coast fighting crime? Well, in this, Al Craven hunted the Vulture, broke his hands, and stole him away from Craven. Uh, Frank Castle ends up freeing all of the villains and lets them do whatever they want to do to Al Craven. And then that's kind of the end of it. So uh, the first fail son of the real original Craven who just wants to get to know his dad a lot more, goes off to Hollywood be to become a movie producer and then opens up a zoo of supervillain animals. So it's not Grim Hunter. 
It's not Grim Hunter. Grim Hunter was the placeholder uh, for all of this nonsense. See, I don't like bait and switches, Joe. If I was your other co-host, I mm-hmm. would cry foul. Right. I would cry foul, but I'm not. Um, and I'll let you have this one. Thank you. But from here on out, the, the names that I'm preparing to argue against better be accurate. Because like, now this throws out my whole plan to bring down Grim Hunter. I had trained for a whole week, Joe, a whole week to, to destroy your whole thesis. But now I can't because I don't, I don't have any notes on Alicia's. Or Aloysius, or whatever his name is. So, I but, know it would it would be kind of like someone putting on their list "Made of Wood Killer" and then at the last minute changing it to "Made of Wood Killer 2. But that person gave you notice. This was your notice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did you notice that I changed it? <laughs> but yeah, I got nothing other than uh, "Killer Moth" is still worse. He's a giant moth. Does not strike fear into the hearts of good doers. I, I will say this. Um, you know, obviously the reason Grim Hunter was the placeholder, only because uh, a lot of the research that I was doing was kind of saying that the Grim Hunter that was in the Spider Clone Saga mm-hmm. was the same Craven that went off to Hollywood to be the movie producer. I gotcha. And I had to do a lot more research to make sure. Because I was getting a lot of conflicting information when I was looking up the information. That's because all Cravens are the same. Cool. Uh, the first Craven is cool. That's about it. So the vote will be up tomorrow. Uh, you get to decide on which of these uh, people move on to the next round. And actually, there's a few more matchups in the second round before we move on to the uh, semifinals and the finals. Right. Uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out uh, our store where you can buy shirts and pins and stickers of our fancy logo. Uh, next week is the sale at our Tee Public store, which is tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, where you can get designs inspired by this show, After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Hit My Music, Final Wrestling Place, and of course, Fig Daddy Cool on everything from <laughs> cell phone covers to notebooks to everything in between. Uh, I was thinking about buying a Fig Daddy Cool notebook when uh, I fill up this existing notebook that I have. I think you should. You should list what toys you're going to buy. Right. That's what I would use it for. Uh, You can go sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month It's going to get you two bonus shows every month from Todd and myself. Uh, One is the movie show, Piro Mounties, looking at the films of independent filmmaker Mark Piro. The other is Previewing the Past. Uh, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog, and we also put the full scans up of those previews catalogs. Uh, August 1992 catalog is up. We're recording August 1992 this weekend. The $5 up folks get those shows two weeks before everyone else, and the $5 and up uh, folks get After Dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to things in the correct listening order. Uh, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through. It's the banner at the top of the page. The affiliate link is included in all the posts uh, for every single one of these episodes that go live, no matter where it is that you get the episodes. Uh, they, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. 
Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, a mechanical metronome, black, loud sound, piano, drum, violin, guitar. Wow, that's a lot of instruments in a metronome. That's right. Uh, I like that the description includes that it's black and loud. Gotcha. Uh, Somebody also purchased a two-pack of the ergonomic mouse pads with the gel wrist supports. Ooh, fancy. I don't like those ones. Uh, thank you for purchasing them, but uh, I'm I'm an old school, like, give me, like, just, like, the flat piece of paper thing, you know? Right. I've never had a mouse pad in my life, so. Oh, really? Yep. No. Nope. Uh, so I have, like, a, like, a desk cover thing for the at-home workstation, you know? Mm-hmm. And the one, the mouse that I have for the super secret science job thing won't work on that. It's like it like whatever about it is, it needs a mouse pad to work. Yeah, I mean, when I had my old laptop back in the day, like, or actually my uh, mount, like whatever, the, the a regular computer, uh, and that had the mouse mouse. Uh, it just worked on my desk, so mm-hmm. I was like, whatever. And then after that, everything was laptops with the mouse with the pad. So, right. Uh, somebody also purchased a re three color black lit uh gaming keyboard and mice mouse combo uh which Ooh. is ultra fancy uh somebody purchased safety first outsmart flex lock pack of four and uh those will outsmart anyone from two years old to 40 years old or so i've seen i don't even know what that is to tell you the truth so uh it's a it's a gimmick that you put on like your cabinets and stuff so your kids can't like your toddlers can't get into them oh i get it okay it's kind of like a safety i get yeah Yes, uh, but I saw the picture, and then I saw the picture somewhere else, and the fact that it's called the Outsmart Flex Lock is hilarious. Got you. Uh, somebody also put, purchased a Targus laptop bag. Uh, they also purchased a Fire HD tablet uh, and a Fire HD tablet cover, only compatible with 11th generation tablet 2021 release. Yep, that's important. I was going to say that feels like important information. Uh, Somebody also purchased more Bluey action figures. Uh, This time it's the Neighbors, the Terriers. Again, if you have people in your life that are under the age of six, then you know who Bluey is. Uh, If you have people in your life that are over 35, then you know who Booster Gold and Blue Beetle are. Because they just released a McFarlane Toys 2-pack. And again, we had multiple people actually buy it through our Amazon click-through. So we do thank you very much for that. Right, the only Bluey figure I care about is the Bluey Beetle, Joe. Right, see, there you go. Mm-hmm. And we also had a bunch of, once again, comic purchases. People have hooked up their uh, comicsology to it and trades, too, they got. Uh, this week, uh, si- Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, Volume 1, which I believe is, you know, because of us. You know? At 100%. I'm, I will always say that. Um, also, Amazing Spider-Man 6, Ant-Man number 1. Wild cards, the drawing of cards. Wonder if they actually draw cards in that. But uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 131, Batman One Dark Knight number three, Aquaman, not Aquaman, Aquaman number six, DC Mech number one, Batman Fortress number three, Task Force Z number 10, and near and dear to my heart, as always. 
Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew, number 16. This issue, guest starring Gar Logan, the Changeling. He will never be the Beast Boy to me. He will always be Changeling. Like gems and stones, that's the way I look at it. And uh, this Captain Carrot first appeared in a Teen Titans book um, with Superman going to Earthsea. And this is... uh, Changeling going. I always really like this issue because they were all freaked out that he could change into like animals and everything like that. Everybody should read Captain Carrot. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, I, I'll give you, you call him Changeling when he's in the red and white outfit. Mm-hmm. But once he's gone over to the black and purple out, outfit, he's beastie. Let me just say this. There has <laughs> never been anybody worth their salt who wore a black and purple outfit. Hmm. No man, I will hit that all the time. No hit man has ever looked good in black and purple. He wore pink and black, but anyway. Wasn't it purple? It's pink. Come on. Are you sure? Listen, who are you talking to? I I could have, maybe the color was off on my TV when The Simpsons was on. No, it was absolutely pink. I'm going to go with I'm the resident expert around here, and it was purple. Hitman. All right, fair enough. What do you go ahead? Sorry, I'm done. Now, is DC Mech like uh, akin to the DC Jurassic uh, League, where it's like, oh, it's the DC characters as uh, dinosaurs, and this is like the DC superheroes as Power Rangers or some nonsense? It could be because I honestly didn't recognize anything about it and i didn't want to say anything you know what i mean because i didn't know much about it but i just looked it up and it says uh at the end of world war ii earth was invaded by giant mechanized parademons from a planet called apocalypse earth's protectors the justice society america were devastated so uh in the ensuing years the world has stockpiled colossal battle suits piled by elite warriors um, so like then Batman and all of them end up get, becoming mech fighters. So it's basically like uh, Pacific Rim, but uh, super, uh, the DC characters would be interesting. Right. So, all right. Well, I think that's everything, right? Yeah, because there's I don't have any art attacks, and there's no TV or movie talk at the end. For sure. Uh, so, uh, thank you everyone for listening. This was episode 617 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.